We now have a reading from the Gospel according to St. Luke, chapter 5, beginning at the first verse, giving yet another perspective on the Matthew passage that was read earlier. One day, as Jesus was standing by the lake of Gennesaret, with the people crowding round him and listening to the word of God, he saw at the water's edge two boats, left there by the fishermen who were washing their nets. He got into one of the boats, the one belonging to Simon, and asked him to put out a little from the shore. Then he sat down and taught the people from the boat. When he had finished speaking, he said to Simon, Put out into deep water and let down the nets for a catch. Simon answered, Master, we've worked hard all night and haven't caught anything. But because you say so, I will let down the nets. When they had done so, they caught such a large number of fish that their nets began to break. So they signaled to their partners in the other boat to come and help them. And they came and filled both boats so full that they began to sink. When Simon Peter saw this, he fell at Jesus' knees and said, Go away from me, Lord, I am a sinful man. For he and all his companions were astonished at the catch of fish they had taken, and so were James and John, the sons of Zebedee, Simon's partners. Then Jesus said to Simon, Don't be afraid. From now on you will catch men. So they pulled their boats up on shore, left everything, and followed him. Amen. Good evening. Fantastic. Um, I'm quite excited to be, to be preaching about this um, this evening. As some of you know, the, this morning when I promoted One Good Friday, um, I was I'm blessed to be playing the role of Peter. Uh, and so looking at this passage has really enlightened my role and also got me quite uh, driven and, and excited about the message that's going to come through. So um, hopefully as we go through this, there's some key things I want you to pick up. But before I start, and possibly with the weather we're having at the moment, I want to share you these thoughts or these words. 40s, Cromarty, 4th, east or northeast, 4 or 5, occasionally 6, later, mainly fair to good. Tyne, Dogger, northeast, 5 to 7, rain later, becoming moderate. German Bight, northeast, 4 or 5, occasionally 6, veering south, rain later, becoming moderate. Some of you may recognise the fishing or the, uh, the shipping forecast. I have memories of listening to that in my father's car. Uh, I think he had a Ford Cortina back in the late 70s, early 80s, and we were driving on a holiday, and it would stop the test match special 
every now and then on Radio Five, on Radio Four, I should say. So I quite have memories of the shipping forecast. Today we are talking about fishing and what it means to be a fisher of fisher of men. Now I've never really been into fishing. I've only been a couple of times in my life. I used to live in South London, not far from the River Wandle, if any of you know that one. And the only times that I've been, I can remember catching a few stickleback, sticklebacks, I think, um, maybe a dogfish or two, and possibly a shopping trolley. <laughs> but I once heard about two avid fishermen who went on a fishing trip. They rented all the equipment, the car, the boats, the reels, the rods, the wading suits, the rowing boats, even a cabin in the woods. They'd spent a fortune. The first day they got there, they go fishing, but they didn't catch anything. The same thing happens on the second day, and then on the third day as well, and it goes on and on until they come to the end of their holiday. It's their last day, and they finally catch one single fish. On the drive back, they're really depressed. One guy turns to his friend and he says, do you realise that one lousy fish we caught cost us £1,500? <laughs> the other guy turns and says, wow, it's a good thing we didn't catch any more then. <laughs> All joking apart, the fishing trip the disciples were about to go on was no holiday. Whilst I was looking into the passage, I came across a story that some of you may already know. Back in 1986, the remains of a 2,000-year-old fishing boat were found on the northwest shore of the Sea of Galilee. Its discoverers named it the Jesus Boat, and it's now on display in a museum in Israel. The boat was about 27 feet long, seven and a half feet wide, and a little over four feet high. It is understood that fishermen in Jesus' day would cast large nets with weights attached that would trap the fish at the bottom of the lake. They would then either dive down to put the fish individually into satchels or carefully pull up the edge of the large nets so the fish would be collected in the boat. When they weren't fishing, they were washing, mending, and hanging up the nets to dry in preparation for the next day's work. This was the life that Peter, Andrew, James, and John were familiar with. It certainly was not a holiday. It was hard work. And this theme of hard work would carry through to the next stages of their lives. Today's story sounds amazing. It sounds like Jesus just throws out an offer and these chaps leave everything and follow him. And that is essentially true. However, Mark, Matthew's account doesn't give us the full picture. John, in his gospel, tells us of an earlier encounter of Peter and Andrew with Jesus. And if you've got your Bibles with you, I'm going to turn to John 1, 35, 42. The first disciples of Jesus. The next day, when John was standing there again with two of his disciples, 
when he saw Jesus walking by. There is the Lamb of God, he said. The two disciples heard him say this and went to Jesus. Jesus turned and saw them following him and when asked, and then asked, what are you looking for? They answered, where do you live, Rabbi? Come and see, he answered. So they went with him and they saw where he lived and spent the rest of the day with him. One of them, Andrew, Simon Peter's brother, at once he found, uh, sorry, at once he found his brother, Simon, and told him, we have found the Messiah. Then he took Simon to Jesus. Jesus looked at him and said, your name is Simon, son of John, and you'll be called Peter. Peter meaning the rock. So, Matthew 4, verse 19, is not the first time they've met. But here we see Peter, Andrew, James and John leave their occupations as fishermen, leave their business and leave their families behind. Although what I did find interesting when I was reading this was that there are some accounts that Peter actually took his wife with him on this new life to start as a fisher of men. When looking at the story, I think we need to try to understand what it means to follow. In my eyes, and maybe in yours as well, can I paint this picture? It means to obey and to take the same path as your leader. I have a picture in my mind of a person walking through a wood with their dog. This dog is not on a leash, however, but his loyal and obedient animal is walking by his master at his master's heel. In this passage, Jesus' call was clear. Follow me. Stop following your own path and take the path of Jesus. You become fishers of men. This can be a strange thing to try and get your head around. What does it mean? But I'd like to translate it as being involved in the mission of Jesus to share the good news. To be a witness for Jesus, where you live, where you work, and where you play. To be a follower. These days, we can become obsessed and fascinated by following others, rather than Jesus. We can be drawn in to celebrities' lives, because we want to feel part of someone else's life, which sounds more interesting than our own. Or we want to feel part of the crowd that follows them. Because this makes us feel better. Some people trawl over page and page of popular magazines. Some use social media like Facebook, Instagram, Twitter and Snapchat to find out what their celebrity is wearing, where they are going, what they are eating, what they buy in the shops, where they've been on holiday or whether they are in or out of love. But these celebrities can't give you true happiness. They don't give their followers true happiness. These celebrities don't love back unconditionally. And they won't welcome you into the kingdom of heaven. But 
when Jesus says, follow me, he offers the kingdom of heaven. However, he never guarantees us that it's going to be an easy ride. I have picked four themes to briefly look at through the words of follow me. One, selected by Jesus. Two, step out from the crowd. Three, stepping into commitment. Four, stepping over distractions. As as we heard so beautifully read earlier on, the call of the disciples in Luke 5, a wonderful story. Here Jesus takes the initiative. He's on a serious mission to, to select exactly the right people to help. It's a beautiful image of how God chooses us. He pursues us. If you have a faith, you might talk about the time you gave your life to Jesus, how you pursued a relationship with your personal saviour, and all that is absolutely true. But something else happened before that. God took the initiative to reach out to you. The scriptures say no one comes to the Father alone without the Father already working in their hearts to bring them to him. That's why if you see someone with a spiritual interest or perhaps asking a question, you can be certain that it's God working in that person. Do you remember when you were dating and one of you was chasing the other? Usually you think it's the guy chasing the girl. But sometimes the girl is at work behind the scenes, helping the guy want to chase her. And so it is with God, who is at work behind the scenes to bring us to him. Peter's response to being selected by Jesus is one of humility. He is aware of his sinful nature, but he wrongly assumed that Jesus would not be interested in him. As I read earlier on in John 1, Jesus gave him the name Peter. The name in Greek, which means rock. He told Peter that he would build his community of believers on Peter's own life and witness. Peter would be the rock upon which all things would be built upon. Jesus saw something in these men that they didn't see in themselves. There's a saying that I've heard many times, and I apologise if I've used it here before. I believe Jesus equips the called and doesn't call the equipped. So two, step out from the crowd. I spoke earlier about how people enjoy following celebrities and they want to feel part of the in-crowd. But here we see Jesus asking his disciples to step out from the crowd. He's asking them to give up what they are used to, to take off their comfy shoes and to step out in faith. You will probably all have been in situations before when you've been asked to step out of your comfort zone and be challenged to do something that you felt was completely new and beyond you. I remember the feeling of panic, 
sweaty palms, feeling sick when Marion first asked me to preach for the first time a few years back. But then I realised, unless I step out from the crowd, step out of my comfort zone, step out in faith, then I will not grow. And this is the same with the disciples. It seems like Jesus is making eye contact with his selected people and reaching out his hand and saying, follow me. Follow me and I will teach and I will guide you. But be flexible because this journey that you're about to go on is one crazy roller coaster. The thing that really enhances Matthew 4 verse 19 is what takes place in verse 20. At once, they left their nets and went with him. At once. Not sometime later, or let me think about it and I'll get back to you when I'm slightly less busy. At once. They knew that this was the moment that they had to take that step out of the crowd step out of their comfort zone and step into commitment. So, stepping into commitment. Commitment can be seen as a scary word. Often seen as something that ties you into a contract or an agreement. But there's no small print with Jesus. No getting you to sign the terms and conditions. He simply says, follow me. And I will look after the rest. You see, when commitment is needed, we tend to start seeing people just kind of back off a little bit. And little interest is replaced with excuses about why you can't do something. When things aren't going well in the sports field, the players may show a lack of commitment. Or the crowds start to dwindle. But here... Commitment is seen as a positive step. Something that drives home the initial stages of being selected and stepping out in faith. A commitment that is made through confirmation or baptism that will enable us to fulfil the mission that we were selected for. The mission that Jesus had. The mission to teach, to proclaim, to heal, This is now our mission, to be fishers of men. But as we know, it's not going to be easy. So here we come across a phrase that I heard whilst I was looking to this. Can we be whatever, forever followers? People who stay strong in their faith as things get tough, and to step over distractions. But what are those distractions? Here, for a little while, I want to focus on emotional distractions, rather than the physical things of money. Maybe the early disciples shared some of these distractions. The Bible can give us us solutions to these emotional problems. A distraction of negative thinking. Philippians 4, verse 8. 
In conclusion, my friends, fill your mind with those things that are good and that deserve praise. Things that are true, noble, right, pure, lovely and honourable. The distraction of doubt. James 1, 6 says, But when you pray, you must believe and not doubt at all. Whoever doubts is like a wave in a sea that is driven and blown out by the wind. Self-condemnation. Ephesians 2, 8 and 9. For it is by God's grace that you have been saved through faith. It is not the result of your own efforts, but God's gift, so that you can boast in him. Jesus says that distractions can keep our fruit from ripening. The seed that falls among the weeds stands for those who hear the word, but the worries and the riches and the pleasure of the life crowd in and choke them, and their fruit never ripens. If we want to be fruitful in our ministry, then we need to get rid of the weeds in our lives. I'm sure you can all think of weeds that affect your own life right here, right now. I know for sure I can in mine. But I'm blessed when I read Psalm 55 verse 2. Give your burdens and your worries to the Lord, and he will take care of you. So, for three years, Jesus mentors his disciples. He heals, they watch. He teaches, they listen and talk with him. He proclaims, they take note. It's time Jesus takes to invest in these 12. Later, these dozen unlikely candidates would lead a movement that would change the world. What will they do? They will do what Jesus did. They will teach, they will preach, and they will heal. In fact, they will trust in Jesus' mission so much that for many of them, they pay for it with their lives. Jesus' challenge to us is simple. Follow me. To live a Christian life of teaching, preaching, healing, loving God and loving others. Max Lucado wrote in his book, The Eye of the Storm, when those, are, when those who are called don't fish, they fight. But when those that are called to fish, fish, they flourish. In closing, the disciples left it all. And we should also be willing to follow him. Nothing should separate us from him. So, step out in faith. Stay committed to the mission. Step over distraction. Let's be whatever, forever followers. Let's say, I'll take care of it. I won't forget. I'm committed. I'm dependable.
For we are to be his mouth to speak the gospel. We are to be his arms to reach out into the community. So brothers, let's go fishing. We're going to close our sermon now with our final song. Will you come and follow me? Jesus Christ and the love of God and the fellowship of the Holy Spirit be with us all evermore. Amen.